Welcome to Advanced Automation, a podcast by Calvary Robotics, where you'll find industry leaders and experts sharing their thoughts on the world of automation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to CalTV. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Today, we're going to dive into the skilled labor shortage in the world of manufacturing. We're going to talk about why this is happening and maybe how to fix it. And we're going to be discussing this with someone who regular viewers of CalTV know quite well. It's Mr. Joe Gemma, the Global VP of Sales and Marketing at Calvary Robotics. Joe, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining me. I'm great, Tyler, and thank you for uh, hosting this. I'm excited about this discussion, really important discussion. So thank you for the introduction. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Joe, I wanted to, to kick it right back over to you just to give us some context around this topic and to, to introduce us and give us some facts and figures around what we're talking about today. Well, you know, maybe preface a little bit about this. It's a demand for goods certainly is escalating. I mean, everybody sees it from poultry plants to hospitals, restaurants. In fact, according to a recent report, U.S. manufacturing surged to a 37-year high in March, yet 500,000 job openings unfilled and companies are struggling to find skilled workers. This was already an issue, to be fair, before the, the pandemic, but now it's getting worse. And frankly, this has caused a, an acceleration in the introduction of automation in new and existing factories. But not only this has had an impact, trade wars, supply chain issues, technology advances, bringing you know, manufacturing needs here to the, to the states. But it's not just manufacturing, to be fair. As I said earlier, restaurants, they're struggling too. An example, in Georgia and South Carolina, Pre-pandemic, average wage was eight to ten dollars an hour, and in Georgia, eighty percent of those collecting unemployment made less than ten dollars an hour. From that perspective, the poverty line is twelve dollars and seventy-four cents for a family of four. So there's little incentive for them to go back to these jobs. So it's quite a challenging situation across all different sectors of, of manufacturing and business. So I wonder then, Joe, you, you talked about how that labor shortage is um, is increasing the use and the adoption of certain automation uh, solutions and, and things along those lines. If that is the case, and automation is coming more and more into these manufacturing facilities, and, and, and workers are reluctant to go back for the same, maybe the same wages that they were getting paid beforehand, does this cause people maybe to rethink the idea of what employees should be doing um, within these facilities, and, uh, and maybe just rethink labor in a manufacturing setting in general? Yeah, I, well, I, I think manufacturing jobs, it's a, it, it's a very complex issue, but I, I do believe the, the issue, had, we've had this for some time, and, and partly, to be fair, frank, it's caused by my generation. It Maybe it's a little bit outdated apprehension to work in manufacturing, but I know it, with my children and, and my generation, we try to encourage people to go to college. That was always going to be the future. And I can remember my parents going to high school was going to make a difference. And going to college, we said, and, and we really kind of put, a, I'll say, a little bit of a negative impression of what manufacturing was. And that's really caused that apprehension of people to go into that space. And, and I think we're feeling the pain of that today. Uh, and it's part of our job, uh, I think, now is to let people realize that manufacturing is different than it was uh, a couple of generations ago and it's really a nice place and a nice opportunity to build a career. So it sounds almost like like manufacturing could could use a, a rebrand of sorts, right? You are, you know, being the the global VP of sales and marketing at Calvary Robotics, you you know a little bit about branding and and that sort of thing. Does does manufacturing need a rebrand or at least a, a change in perception globally as far as what it is and and what it what it's like, I guess, to work in manufacturing? Uh, absolutely. As I said, that perception uh, is it, maybe it, untrue today, but as I mentioned, there's things we can do and we are doing, to be fair, but it'll take some time. I mean, automation is 
actually helping. Robots used to be a bad word, but not anymore. This will help the perception. But the perception was it was kind of stationary, low progress, dirty and dangerous. In fact, I can tell you that many manufacturing facilities today look more like a scientific lab and they were offering really skilled positions and upward mobility. Additionally, companies with both new and existing facilities are and will continue to invest in automation technologies. But the skilled workforce needed for this, I'll call advanced manufacturing, is sorely lacking. For example, Carrier, and we, somebody we know and had, they have seen, they've seen an increase in demand for HVA systems as businesses reopen. And in fact, consumers are upgrading homes. We've heard about the shortages, but they are struggling to find workers. Yet they are implementing automation technologies and they need the skilled workforce to support this effort. In addition, we have to recognize the median age of manufacturer workers in the U.S. They're in their mid to late 40s and older workers are retiring at a faster rate than they are being replaced. You know, according to the National Association of Manufacturing, every eight seconds, a baby boomer retires. Uh, I am one of those, but I'm not retired yet. Uh, but ironically, automation, this automation boom uh, built by this need has created an interesting, I'll call it byproduct of more jobs in the automation industry itself and to the customers. I mean, mobile robots or mobile platforms, self-driving machines, fork trucks, vision technologies, even AR, VR, and artificial intelligence, as well as collaborative robots, now have skilled jobs for, the, for an industry and its customers, like programmers, technicians, and other opportunities in the space. So not only in the manufacturing space directly, but in the automation industry and the impact it has in manufacturing within these are. So there's, there's those skilled opportunities are out there in manufacturing with open mobility. So it seems like uh, this this can also be, you know, an education issue of just letting people know, hey, here's what the opportunities are and here's what a future looks like working in manufacturing and working with some of the solutions and some of the technologies that you were talking about. I, I think I think more people would be excited about it if they knew that there's a future of working with robotics and doing some of the things that, that, that you just laid out. Um, but maybe the education isn't there uh, for, for younger people. How can we go about telling more people and telling the next generation about the opportunities that are currently present in manufacturing? Yeah, it's a really, really good point. And I, and I think I've been a, a longtime advocate for education, I'll call it government uh, in a general sense, and business getting together and working together to build, a, I'll call a national policy around that. It, it's critical for us to have that opportunity to get people not only understanding what that is, but giving them the skills and the training to have that opportunity to work in, in those environments. And while there are, to be fair, there are pockets of that around the country, it, it, it's not really across, I'll say, a strategic initiative in our country. And frankly, it is existing in other parts of the world. Certainly China, uh, some years ago, well, I guess about seven, eight years ago, started a thing they called 2025. And they really had strategic initiative to try to move that forward, to be a leader in that space. And so they have an initiative working across all of those parts of, of education, government, business together to try to make that happen. And, and we need to do that here in, in this country. There's other things we can do, I think, to, to be fair, we can look at investing in apprenticeship programs. Uh, Germany is a good example of that. They've continued to have apprenticeship programs, and they're still one of the leaders in manufacturing across the world. And in America, be, partly because of you know the bottom line effect, we've given up on apprenticeship programs. 
We could be a little more open to flexible work schedules. Bring back some vocational schools. I think there's things we can do to make it more attractive space and give it more visibility by working together as, as a community. And what are your thoughts on manufacturers also, you know, taking the time and investing a little bit in upskilling their workforce um, as a way of, of utilizing the, the current people they have, but also using that as a way to say, hey, if you come here and spend some time with us, we will train you on the things that you need to know moving forward. I think that there's probably a selling point in there somewhere of saying, hey, we will invest in our employees. And that's an uh, that's an attractive thing to me anyways. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Tyler. But we have to be a little bit fair because it's not just them alone. As I mentioned, we have to work together. But that the, you mm-hmm. know, at least we have to be realistic. The the SMEs, it's the biggest part of the the uh, employment opportunities in in our country for sure. I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's in the ninety plus percent of employees work for small to medium sized companies, and they don't always have the knowledge of the programs that are available. North can they really afford an investment in long term workforce developments on their own? So that's why I said, you know, before, you know, these pockets of training centers around the country, we could have some strategic connection across those. I, I think that's an opportunity for us to work together there to kind of build that so that we build that, that workforce, the training, the skill sets to help support those small to medium sized entities. If, and I get, and I know that means we're putting pressure on some larger companies to invest in that. But look at Amazon's a good example. They've invested. I think since 2019, they've hired 75,000 more people, something like that number, and and yet they've incorporated, I don't know, 500,000 robots, or so, some really big number of invested in, in automation, yet they're still hiring people. But part of that program is they have that training program. They have the, the wherewithal, they have the capability to support those types of programs. The small, medium-sized companies, they don't. So we need to do that at a higher level across, as they say, kind of a national strategy I understand it's got to be a, kind of a bipartisan agreement to make it happen, but we really should do that to help to, to bring that ability to small and medium-sized companies as they can independently do it on their own. There's other things we can do for sure, and we'll, I guess we'll talk more about what that might be. Absolutely. You know, and uh, anytime I hear bipartisan, I think, oh... We'll see, we'll see that when it happens. But um, you did bring up Amazon there, and I think that there's something interesting to, to be said about Amazon because with the number of warehouses and distribution facilities that they have across the country, are they maybe drawing from the same pool that manufacturers would be drawing from when it comes to, to hiring? And, and uh, maybe are, are manufacturing you're struggling to find some of those people because they've already found jobs at places like an Amazon who do the things like what you were just describing? It's a valid point. E-commerce, certainly, I mean, it's boom. I, I can tell you on my front doorstep every day, my wife is helping that boom. Happen. Yes, um, might as well. It, it has created thousands of warehouse and logistics jobs. So your wife uses my credit card too? No. Um, <laughs> I wish, man, I wish. <laughs> um, but certainly you're right, it's created jobs that didn't exist a few years ago. Uh, but this was also happening pre-pandemic. Now, mm-hmm. I'll admit that it accelerated by the pandemic. But while we're taking many from the talent pool that would potentially look at manufacturing, it's not the only area of concern because besides the companies like Amazon, they're implementing the automation technologies I talk about creating jobs. But even another area of concern is the middle skill positions that require some training or certification. A good example is a CNC operator, which is basically it's an automated machine, but to operate that and understand how it works and work in, and live in 3D and, and the programming of that, it takes training, it takes uh, some experience, it takes certification. Well, does the same thing. So even those middle skilled, uh, just to use a term, those positions open too. And that, I don't think that the 
e-commerce logistics effect is pulling from that that talent pool available to the or should be available to the market. But again, I think there are things we can do. You know, in in diverse in a little more diversification. I'm sure you realize half the population in America is is women. Yet, if you think about what that means, you would think that there'd be more women in manufacturing, at least equitably, to the men. There's only a third of, of manufacturing positions are occupied by women. So there's an area we can reach out and help with the training. And, and there are some of those programs happening, some of the little pockets that I talked about uh, that are training on CNCs or welding uh, are, are seeing more women joining those programs. We got to reach out with somehow to that. We have to bring that that part of the population into the workforce and it, we can all benefit from it. That's a great point. You know, I, diversity is something I wanted to, to discuss. And, and just to ask, you know, are, are there communities, other pockets, like you mentioned, women, are there minority communities, other places where um, that have untapped, that have maybe an untapped workforce for manufacturers um, that have maybe either traditionally been ignored or just have not been interested in manufacturing positions that now might you might look at and say, Hey, let's reach out to this community uh, because this uh, this could be a, a great win-win opportunity for both of us. Yeah, I, as I said, I, I really think that the diversity we can look to expand in that area for sure. And, and frankly, as I said, women is a good opportunity. It's not just them alone, but again, if there's not the opportunity for people to get the education to be able to put that skills, because the small to medium-sized companies just aren't equipped to bring somebody in for six months to a year to train them on, on operating a CNC machine. I was at some place last week and they said, somebody to fully do this particular job. And it was in, they have 140 openings of a 700 person company, 140 openings. If this somebody to really get good at this job, it takes them two years. So, they got a, so you know, if we can build some of that skill set before they go to these companies and, and shorten that, cycle for them it's it's economical and equitable for everyone so uh, again we we have to build more of these centers and it, it some of them exist as i mentioned the arm institute is one that's trying to look at different ways that the government and and education and manufacturing working together to bring different technologies different approaches to to manufacturing so there are efforts out there but i really am a big proponent of let's find a way to do this as a, as a national strategy so we can build that workforce the, I believe the people are there. They just have to build on their skill sets. And, uh, you know, Aaron Prather, who we talked to not so long ago, is a big proponent of that, of workforce development, how we can do that as a community. You know, you kicked us off today, Joe, talking about the boom that we're seeing right now in manufacturing in the United States. Uh, forecast that forward for us. Do, do you anticipate that this continues? What does this look like going forward? And what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I do think it's going to go forward. It, it's interesting. I, I saw a report not so long ago. It said, you know, China is certainly one of the manufacturing leaders, but if by uh, the next 30 years, they are gonna age out as a population. Hmm. And because of that, they're also gonna age out as a consuming population. So this, this is a double whammy. They're not gonna have the, the people available to do uh, some of the manufacturing they'll need in the future. And they also will not have the uh, buying population to for their goods, so they'll have to export. So it's attractive for companies to build their infrastructure here in the Americas. So will this happen across the globe? I'm sure other places also, but certainly the U.S. is attractive. It's, it's good in energy. It's good, at, you know, stable um, economy, stable government, roughly. So it's it's an opportunity for people to build a business in. It's a buying consumer market. So I do think we're going to continue to see that grow. 
I do think that some of the larger companies will have their infrastructure across the world to make sure they support their, their custom bases around the world. But here as a buying population, we'll see more and more of that, uh, I don't want to say reshoring, it'll be onshoring activity um, to be able to continue to build manufacturing needs here to meet the population um, requests. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Joe, as we wrap up our conversation today, uh, give us any final thoughts that you have, anything either that we haven't touched on yet or just any conclusions you'd like to make and draw uh, to leave our audience with today uh, here as we wrap up this episode. Let me turn it back over to you. Okay. So, yeah, I, I, I got a, a list of things I want people to get active in. Launch recruitment efforts in middle and high schools. Uh, they, mm. they see really by high school, it's almost always too late. So work even with the middle schools, you can do that locally. Even if we can't do a national program, that's something you can have an impact on in your communities as well as high school. Again, I, I advocate for bringing back vocational schools. Let's make that important. Again, Germany's a good example of that. They, you know, the, the vocational schools and, and the traditional, what we call higher education schools are have the equal status in their, in their culture. We need to work on that. Invest in the apprenticeship programs. I think there's a value there, especially the, the smaller, I mean, the medium, the larger companies can do that. Be flexible on the work schedules. I mentioned that before. Even implementation of automation, it's such a thing as semi-automated manufacturing strategies. CNC operator I mentioned before is a good example of that, where we can help, you know, build that skilled labor force and they can expand from that into even more uh, technologies. Also, I think companies ought to reevaluate the ROI timeframes and what that looks like. Uh, you know, you have equipment for multiple years, you can get that, that investment uh, paid back in, in a longer term, that will help people make investment in, and also the investment that means also in the training of the staff. So look at that from investment because from a total cost of ownership, recruitment, retention, training, they don't always look at that in an ROI timeframe. So look at those things that will help for that, that, I'd say, financing the training strategies. We mentioned the more diverse workforce. I think there's really an opportunity for us to do that outreach programs there um, and then of course the government industry education thing I mentioned a couple of times is working together as a national policy again it was good to require some bipartisan agreement I think we can get there it's important for you know I think that's something they agree on manufacturing across party lines is something they want to keep in, in America and help it grow and finally you know being from the automation side because the question will come up you know automation isn't taking jobs from people it's allowing companies that can't find workers to meet demand you know, according to Lee Banks, he's the COO of Parker Hannaford, North America labor is very tight. So a lot of our customers are doing what we are doing, just really using automation where appropriate. So again, thank you very much for having this conversation with us. I hope that uh, this discussion will get people to advocate of uh, workforce development and work as a national strategy to keep America in the forefront of manufacturing. Fantastic stuff, Joe. Just uh, just uh, amazing, amazing insight there from you. Uh, Joe, where can people go to learn more about Calvary Robotics and uh, and everything you have going on right now? Well, my home number is... No, no. Uh, <laughs> certainly, you can go to calvaryrobotics.com. Uh, you can reach out to me. We're available uh, through most of the social media channels. So if we can help you out, we'd be happy to. And certainly, uh, if you want to have more discussion, reach out to me. I, I'm certainly a big advocate of workforce development, what we can do as a national policy. Thank you. Fan Fantastic stuff. Joe Gemma, Global Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Calvary Robotics. Joe, thank you so much for joining us here on CalTV. Glad to do it. Thanks again for having me. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of CalTV. We've loved having you. Stay tuned for more from Calvary Robotics. We'll be back soon with new episodes of the show featuring Joe Gemma, of course. But until then, for Joe Gemma, my guest today, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for watching.